everyone. Welcome back to Gals on Topic, your favorite book club, and then some. I'm Sadie. I'm Izzy. And today marks the start of season two, where we are covering for our first topic of the season, A Court of Mist and Fury, chapters one through four. We've made it. (laughs) We've made it. Now that we're on A Court of Mist and Fury, I'm like, what were we even wasting our time with with book one? What? (laughs) Book one was so good. I know. I know. But just once you start getting into this book, it's just chef's kiss. (laughs) Well, it starts out strong for sure. But we have a very important topic to discuss before we get to our other very important topic. What could it be? Sadie saw Taylor Swift this weekend. Oh my gosh. It was iconic. And I haven't heard the recap yet because I've been waiting for this moment. So tell me everything. Oh my gosh. It was such a roller coaster of emotions. So can I be honest? I I felt like your tickets weren't gonna get you in. Like I was nervous for you. Same, same. So what yeah, so we'll back up. Let's back up a couple weeks. So John and I bought tickets uh, from like resale the week before the tour started, which I can't remember exactly when. But uh, we bought the tickets and through StubHub and we got an email like a few weeks ago that said your tickets have been transferred, which that's normal. Like they usually when you buy resale, they transfer them close to the event. Yeah. Um. So they said your tickets have been transferred and click to accept or whatever john clicked it it didn't work we didn't have any tickets in our account and then um a couple of days later the the seller herself emailed john directly and asked him if he still wanted the tickets and we were like uh the tickets that we bought i don't even know I didn't know sellers could do that. Like, well, even they have your you. email because that's what they have to type in to transfer the tickets. Oh. Yeah. So we were like, that is super sketchy. Like, and we were worried because since we bought the tickets, we we paid a lot of money. But since we had bought the tickets before the tour started, they once the content of the concert had gone out and people were yeah. hearing about it, our same tickets were three times the price. So we were sketched that she was like, I'm selling these tickets elsewhere. I'm trying to make more money. Yeah. And um, so anyway, like we call Subhub. They're like, we'll reach out. We'll try to get her to resend them. She resends them again. Transfer doesn't go through. We're now like, what are our other options? Subhub says like, we will uh, reimburse tickets or we, we guarantee tickets you'll get a link that will send you uh, like type tickets and we get the link and nothing is popping up and they're like, just wait, just wait. Things will pop. Nothing's popping. We call again a few days later. It's now like the week of the event and they're like, well, it has to, in order for tickets to pop up, it has to meet three criteria. It has to be the same event, same section and up to only 120% of the original price you paid. That's impossible for any concert. I like know. Like any important concert. Yeah. And like, honestly, 
that's a useless service seriously yeah so i'm like okay well the tickets are three times the price and they're like if not then we refund i'm like the refund does nothing refund is no use when you bought them something for an experience well well and also and i can't use the refund to buy similar tickets right which is why they're which is why that service is useless yeah because they could just refund you and then you could buy tickets yourself similar ones yeah so it was so stupid so um I'm like crying <laughs> to John like we're not going this is my life like so dramatic and then the ne- so we were like okay let's try emailing the seller again directly since now we have their email and John emails her and just said like hey I don't know what's going on the tickets aren't going through like can we please connect can you send me your number like so we can figure out what's going on and I had logged into his email because I was like searching everywhere for the email that says the tickets are transferred from Ticketmaster. Um, And so like the next day we were awaiting her response and I was like logging into his email to see if she's responding like every 20 minutes. And then she finally responded and sent her phone number. And I was like, oh my God, if we were getting scammed, like she wouldn't have sent her phone number. So whatever, long story short, John gets on the phone with her. She, I don't know what happened. She transferred the tickets and we got them and it worked out. And she was like super nice, John said. Because I was also afraid that like the tickets just weren't going to work. Like it was just a, a scammer being like, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah but don't like, get a refund. It was like yeah. formally transferred in Ticketmaster. Right. So, I mean, but I was still nervous. Three. Oh man, the rain show. The rain show. Nashville shows in general were on another level. I know. Like it, it honestly, like I was like crying the couple of nights before when I was finding out the surprise songs for Friday and Saturday and stuff. Yeah, like it hurt. I feel like I have to address as I brought it up several times on this podcast. Sparks fly was was played. <laughs> And, and, t- and the one that I brought up, Teardrops of My Guitar, was played in the same night. And that hurt. <laughs> it really hurt. It hurt to see because it was the same night she announced the Speak Now re-recorded album. So in general, those songs and that moment was going everywhere on TikTok, on Instagram, and I couldn't bring myself to watch more than a few seconds of it. It hurts. It hurts to see other people literally living your dream. <laughs> because now I just know, when am I ever going to hear that song played live? Last time I saw her, she didn't play it either. <sighs> it is such a good Why song. Why won't she sing it? Why isn't it in the set list? I know. It it's really, such a good song. Instead That's I, why everyone went crazy for it. It's such a good song. I know. Like, I, Enchanted to Meet You is obviously also a really good song. She could have sang more than one Sparks... Or more than one Speak Now song. She only sings one. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. But you're kidding. She only sings one Speak Now. Maybe she'll sing more now that she... Yeah, maybe. Honestly, she might change the set list because she's done that a little bit. Like halfway after like the first two weeks, she she swapped out one of the folklore songs or something or ever. Why is Speak Now not on her set list? I don't understand why she hates that album. I she love that doesn't. album. She doesn't. I know, but I love that album. I know, me too. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, I know some general things. Um, I don't get some of her choices, though. I would never question Taylor, but, like, I don't get it. I don't get why she plays You Need to Calm Down, but she's not playing Sparks Fly. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. 
<laughs> well, uh, you need to calm down as a single. Sparks Fly wasn't. You need to calm down. That song is my is, least favorite song of hers. No, you're thinking of me. Me is your least favorite. They're both. They're at both. The bottom of um, my list. They're both lower, but me is last. Come on, kids. Spelling is fun. I know. That's the worst one. That one's pretty bad. So um, how was the how was the show itself? Yeah, yeah. So third night in Nashville. I knew that the forecast was rainy. Um. Which I'm honestly like, this is off brand for me, but I didn't get like a whole new outfit. So I'm actually pretty glad about that because I just wore a poncho the whole time. <laughs> um, it's six o'clock. It starts downpouring. And I, I like basically knew that we weren't going to see openers or anything like that. So and I knew it was going to be wor- the worst at like six, six thirty. But as soon as it started downpouring, I was a nervous wreck like I was like this is so bad it was so bad it was coming through we were on like the enclosed rooftop and it was like coming through the ceiling so it's like let's go to the venue this is now like 7 7 15 it started like it lightened up for like a second so we walked over and as soon as we got in lighting advisory shelter in place everyone get under cover out of your seats so I didn't even see my seats yet and then we were there for like three hours. Sheltering in place. Yeah. Body to body. Couldn't move. People are like trying to push through and I'm just like, there's literally nowhere. Were you so miserable? Um, Yes, because I was so stressed. For three at- hours. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I was just like, at- after like hour two, I was like, I think I said like, I'm going to stay until 10. And then I feel like I just think she can't go on after 10 o'clock, you know? So it was like, if we haven't heard, but like, but no, but it was like, if we haven't heard anything, like if it's still just like lightning advisory, I was like, I, I mean, they, after hour two, I was like, they just have to call it like, this is ridiculous. And, um, but then, yeah, like right around 10, all got the all clear and everyone started making their way to their seats. And I, was literally shocked. I mean, basically no one left. But also, I do have to say, I probably even shouldn't say this, but people on social media are so fucking dramatic. Like, I get it. It sucked. I was there. People have shit like the claustrophobia. Some people can't can't do that. And I get it. It, it sucked. But there was like TikToks of people being like, People were dropping like flies. Paramedics were everywhere. And like I did see someone faint. But was it like everyone was dying, like literally getting <laughs> trampled and fainting left and right and throwing up and like no. It you sucked. Faint? There was someone who fainted. Yeah. I didn't but, see that on TikTok. I saw people being like, first, mad respect to Taylor because she still came on after a three hour delay, performed until like 2 a.m. And this was on the heels of, remember, my rant about Morgan Wallen canceling his concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Taylor performed super late in the rain. I also saw TikToks of people being like, a show in the storm and in the rain is actually magical. Like she'd like hit a high note and lightning would strike. Dude, well, no. She didn't play during lightning. Oh, wait. I know. I saw some. I there saw was some TikTok. like heat lightning. But like in the back. Not yeah, like you know, yeah, on yeah, the stage. But yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but dude we'll get to the actual show but yeah like I just saw some TikToks that were like so dramatic and I was also like you could have left like no one was making you stay some people did leave like barely anyone but like this one like everyone was so dramatic and I'm just like it sucked totally they should have made a decision earlier or whatever but like you could have left no one was holding you there against your will. A Taylor concert is not for the weak. Honestly, <laughs> natural selection. <laughs> oh, my God. I almost like responded to a TikTok and then I was like, who am I? I'm not responding to this. I'm Taylor. not engaging. No, I love that. Um, but anyway, OK, sorry. That was just like it was a journey. Yeah. Um, but I had bought good seats and I knew they were good seats, but like I did not realize how freaking good they were you didn't even post like a story izzy i couldn't like i i was so overwhelmed with emotion like first of all i was also there for i was also out and about for like 10 hours and i needed to be able to get home so like i was trying not to use my phone but i was hitting john to like take pictures and stuff but they weren't very good but um but then he was like I want to enjoy it I don't want to take pictures but I I just couldn't one it was raining but then and two it was just like it was so overwhelming like I got to my seats and I was like full I've never felt so much excitement and joy like I was like these seats are so good were you first tier yeah it looked like you were first yeah yeah so so like I was like 10 rows up from the floor so I was like elevated enough to To like fully see the stage yeah but like so close like she was so close and then I guess like chills yeah I guess like everyone knows what songs play right before the concert starts like just the DJ songs because they were like getting excited like counting down the songs I was like how do you people know this like I watched everything but I didn't watch the songs before the show But then you like, I don't know if you've heard about this, but like, Mm-mm. wait, don't tell me. It's not part of the show. Okay. But like, you know how she enters, gets to the stage without oh, being in seen? The, yeah. In the car. In so the you, like, you see all the dancers walk up to the stage and then you just see the cart. I'm going. Everyone goes That's crazy. So funny. It was so funny. It was so funny. And then, um, and you know it's her too, because then it's like she leaves that way too the yeah way she came in but she walks out but anyway so but literally the concert started and i literally like i'm not i'm emotional but like not a crier really i just started bawling <laughs> i was one of those people i was one of those and i won't want to tell you the opening song but she like does an opening song like part of it and then really like the real opener is the next song and i was like screaming it like sobbing like i can't demonstrate because then you'll know the opening song but like it was just so i think it was like the anxiety for like the past week releasing and just like i couldn't believe she was in front of me and i was trying to explain the other day like why this concert is such a big deal to like someone who's like not as much of a Taylor Swift fan. And I was like, her first album came out when I was nine years old. Yeah. Our song was the first song on my iPod Nano in second grade. Like, 
And I still listen to her. Same. Like day. we grew up with her. She yeah. is our like one nine is like when you kind of start having mu- your own music taste and stuff. So it was like truly I grew up as she did. Like I was going through all the things that uh, she was yeah. singing about as she was. Every album I can remember like screaming in the car with my friends, like in middle school and high school. Totally. I, and Reputation came out. We were in college. And it this was what like, I'm saying. Like, finals, that's a perfect like, example. Reputation was college. Yeah. Like, like, Speak Now was like kind of in middle school. Yeah. Like, it was just like Lover came out when I was like moving in, moving to Indy in with my boyfriend. Like, it's just like, like everything has like a milestone in my life. And it's just like, her music is like the soundtrack to my life like that sounds so <laughs> crazy and stupid but it is and it was just like I mean the show was like a Broadway production like I mean it was just so she was hitting notes like unbelievable unbelievable I'm sorry this is like going on so long no, it's but- just she she loves her fans she knows she would never let her fans down and so while this concert is a lot of money people are traveling to get there I have not heard anyone say it wasn't worth it like people are actually people are saying shell out the money it's a once in a lifetime experience absolutely absolutely like she was literally so like the surprise song she sings at like the very end of the stage so it was basically just me and her there together right (laughs) right she's right in front of me right in front of me and she like she sang mine on piano. It's his second surprise song. Yep, that and li- that's yeah, a good one. It was so, that's a good one. That's a good that song. Um, I have yeah, um, like eighth grade. Yeah, I feel like that song was. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she like got up and she was just she's soaking, dripping wet. The rain was off and on the whole rest of the concert. And she was just like, God, she was like, I'm just having the time of my life. And she like spread out her arms. I was like, me too. (laughs) I saw a TikTok also. Um, I've been trying to not get spoilers, but I give in. I slowly have been giving in. So I've seen her perform Vigilante shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like that's one people post all the time. But I saw that one with the rain behind her and they were like yeah the rain is like a paid actor like yes, it's so yes, sexy yes. And, that performance. and like water's flying off her or like during midnight rain yeah they were like yeah. are you joking right and then now? during fearless in a storm in my best stress yeah. as rain is pouring down on yeah. her and there's like thunder like it dude it it's was, honestly like she's powerful like she's she, powerful it's so iconic it's yeah. so iconic and okay so like last point i have to address yes. the other surprise song yes would have could have should have i was so honored to Give get to- me back my girlhood. It was my plan. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, chills, chills, chills. Like people say, like that's probably her most vulnerable song she's ever written. And um, oh my god, I'm I look like a fake fan, but the guy that came out and sang it with her, one of her producers, John Destner. Sorry. Is it John Destner? Maybe. If it's not him. I'm so sorry. I'm a fake fan. Um, But he was like, 
he's just the most wholesome person I've ever seen in my life. And he was, he wrote and recorded that song with her. And he was just looking at her with so much pride and love. And he like, and then I creeped on him on Instagram after. And he just like. Aaron. Aaron Dustin. Yeah. yeah, I think it was John Dustin. Anyway. Well, the song is about John Mayer. (laughs) But. And it was just like, it was such a beautiful moment with them too. And he like writes the most beautiful things about her as a person and artist on his social media that I was just like, wow, he's just like a wholesome person. But her singing that song like split my heart open. I'm so dramatic. I'm sorry, but it did. No, I like, I, I understand. And just like hearing all the girls in the building scream that together, like, the lyrics just I regret you all the time like oh I love it so much because you know everyone's always like don't have any regrets you learn from everything and so like when you do have a regret you don't ever say it out loud like personally I will have I have regrets and I don't ever say them or admit to them out loud because I'm like I'm not supposed to regret anything I have I have regrets and I have people I regret and it was like freeing to fucking scream that out you know what i mean that's like beautiful Sadie. it was so ah that's why i just freaking love her did okay. john have a great time he did he really did he was just again like also just so in awe like yeah even the like he, he doesn't know every song um but he i mean he appreciated every single one yeah. he's i mean it's just so freaking good so good okay so we had an hour <laughs> not quite <laughs> i could listen I mean, to a play-by-play of each song but is he, we'll i could i could give you the play-by-play like i have after so, i go let's let's do that yeah, yeah. okay i gotta take some notes then really i mean it's ingrained in your mind i know it's sure. true literally after the part where they where we saw the box and i was feeling so overwhelmed with excitement i literally turned to john and i quote i said i really need i need to remember all the feelings i'm feeling right now when the box came out i was just overjoyed with excitement he was like okay (laughs) i was a little kid i was literally a child i need to remember all the feelings feeling one excited It was so good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe you've seen her. Me, too. I breathe the same air as her. Yeah. It's crazy. I'll forever be changed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I was about to say we should put a disclaimer for, like, where the Taylor talk stops. But honestly, if you don't like her, don't listen to my podcast. We don't want you here. I feel like the Venn diagram of Taylor Swift fans and Akatar fans is just one circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is so true. That is so good. Oh my god. Okay, well, this is gonna be a long episode because we got a long intro, Taylor Swift. I know, I'm sorry. And then sorry. we've got a lot of great chapters. Yeah. So, let's dive in. Let's dive in. A court in. of mist and fury. Thorns and Roses who? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've grown past that. (laughs) Okay. 
Okay. Um, Sadie, thoughts and feelings as you were cracking this bad boy open. I I was thinking about how like I was honestly thinking like, am I ready for this? I was st- I'm still on like the come down from Taylor Swift. Like I was like, I don't emotionally am I ready for this? <laughs> it's such a good question that is. And I can tell you that no, you're not. <laughs> Okay, but okay. nonetheless, here we go. Here we nonetheless, go. we've started chapters one through four. And um, yeah, we've got a lot to reset up about where Feyre and Tamlin are, how they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. the aftermath of being under the mountain. She's not doing well. I can tell you that. That will be repeated several times throughout <laughs> this episode. She is not okay. But let's get into it. Okay, so chapter one. There was like a prologue. So, yeah. So one map, a little more detailed. Was it? I actually didn't look. Izzy, I thought for sure you wanted to question me on this. So I looked. They add like... I assumed it was the same. No, they literally... I br- See, I'm glad I brought the book now. I was like, why did I bring this? Um... So they literally, it's way bigger. One, it's two pages. Oh. It now has a spot for, I can't even read it. It's so small. Weaver's Cottage. Don't know who that is. Uh, Court of Nightmares. We got another court now. Uh, Valeris. Don't know what that is. The prison. Is that where Pharaoh's going to stay when she's at the night court? Uh, I honestly can't even read the Mirian. Something like that. You're and very detail oriented. Valahan, don't know what that is. But I wasn't there before. I thought for sure you were going to quiz me. Nope. Wow. <laughs> Good job, though. <laughs> um, interesting. Well, we don't know what any of those are yet. So yeah, no, I didn't know anything. I think one gets mentioned. We'll see. Um, but good job. So the map's different. <laughs> Thank you, Sadie, for educating us all. Um. And then it goes into a prologue. Yeah. And the first line of the prologue is, maybe I'd always been broken and dark inside. Oh, no. Yeah. It feels like we're back to book one, Feyre. Wait, it's so funny that you say that because I I read the whole chapters and that was one of my last notes is we are starting the book a little too much like the last book. Mm-hmm. Dash in misery deep misery yeah we're like back to square one yeah. we took she went on such a healing journey but like square zero like she in went, book one and now we're at yeah a bad place yeah and the prologue is clearly a nightmare mm-hmm. so she's back with amarantha surrounded by blood and she's killing those two fey again and she's about to stab tamlin again but instead she takes the knife and kills herself and then we get oh no i thought she was going to stab the next person and she looked down and it was her and so she stabbed it like she was looking at herself but it said hold on it doesn't matter either way no it says as i gripped the fine boned shoulder and gazed into that hated face my face yeah, she was staring at her own face. Yeah, and plunged the dagger into my awaiting heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
she when they lifted the bag off of the female instead of it being that other fairy it's it her. was it was yeah. herself yeah yeah, yeah yeah and then we get an intro page that says part one so yeah. this book is divided up into parts which is just exciting which i thought was weird because i was like that's like normally something an author would keep consistent right but no, this is part one, The House of Beasts. And I can just see this in the TV show, like season two opens. She's in this nightmare. She's like stabbing herself. And then it's like the theme song plays House of Beasts. And then we open with her vomiting into a toilet. <laughs> I can just see it. It's going to be such a good show. It's going to be such a good show. But yeah, chapter the actual chapter one opens up with her saying, I vomited into the toilet. Hugging the cool sides, trying to contain the sounds of my retching. And she has woken up from her nightmare and is so unwell from it, she's literally throwing up. So we already don't like this. Yeah. Tamlin. Tamlin's there. He's in her bedroom, but he's asleep. And Feyre's trying to remind herself it's a nightmare. I'm safe. This is where I am. I'm in the spring court. Everything's okay. We learn it's been three months since they left under the mountain and she still hasn't adjusted to her new body. She and says she keeps breaking things, shattering doors, etc. In this moment, I put, it's been three months. So has she been going to the night court? I thought we would get to hear her first visit, which is then resolved like a few pages later or something. But yep. Right after she, she looks at her sleeve that she still has the tattoo, which as I was reading, I could picture Sadie being like, oh. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I hate that thing. She still has it. And we learn, although she still has the tattoo, she has not heard from Reese in the last three months. So he has not been cashing in the bargain they made for her to spend a week every month with him, which is interesting considering how adamant he had been about that. Yeah. But she hasn't been able to, like, ask Tamlin or Lucian about this, what they think is going on, because they think of him so much as the enemy. Um, They just don't want to talk about him. Yeah. Although Feyre, based on her last encounter with him, was like... She was also like, I might jinx it. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, if I bring like, it up, if they might just bring him. Exactly. So she goes back to bed where Tamlin's still sleeping. And she says he always sleeps through her nightmares, her getting up in the middle of the night to throw up. But she says she wonders if sometimes she hears his breath catch. So maybe this does wake him up and that he has nightmares too. And when he has nightmares, he turns into his beast form. But when this first happened, she tried to comfort him. He just kind of shook her off and doesn't want to talk about it. Sleeps on the floor, guards the door guards the windows i was literally like they need to talk to each other like they're just trying to shove everything under the rug and they i feel like they started their relationship on lies and secrets against their will but that is how their relationship started and so it seems like they're like trapped in that same pattern of like withholding the truth yeah of how they're feeling. Yeah. First of all, sounds terrifying to go to sleep with the man next to you and wake up and he's like transforming into a giant animal. That is that true. That's self-terrifying. 
Um, and yeah, the first time I was reading this, I was like, okay, so clearly they aren't talking to each other and that can't be good. Yeah. Like they haven't talked about the Reese bargain, haven't talked or acknowledged about the nightmares they're both having. And she says it's because they have this unspoken agreement to not let Amarantha win by acknowledging that she still torments them. But that's not letting her win. Like obviously, that's obviously just dealing with your trauma. This trauma from what you went through. Well, the last chap the last sentence of chapter one, so super quick chapter, is it was easier not to have to explain anyway. To not have to tell him that though I'd freed him, saved his people and all of Prathian from Amarantha, I'd broken myself apart. And I didn't think even eternity would be long enough to fix me. Bleak. That's. I really hope she's just being her dramatic Feyre self. At the end of the last book, we were like, um, my brain doesn't work. Oh, like we we liked that she was so traumatized by it and grieving because it made it more realistic. But after these four chapters, I'm like, you are in a deep, dark, dark depression. Well, she's not doing thing to anything to help herself get better, which yeah. is when it starts to be like, okay, I get it, Farah, but like, you got to talk to Tamlin yeah. or talk to someone. I know yeah. he's not talking to her either, but like, they are just spiraling. Yeah. So chapter two. Chapter two opens with a conversation between Feyre and Tamlin. And the first line is, I want to go, followed by no. And here we get some context about what the last three months have been like for the both of them. So Tamlin is out helping rebuild villages in the spring court that had been decimated from Amarantha's rule. And Feyre wants to, you know, help, tag along. But Tamlin tells her they're still hunting the, the beasts that were roaming when Amarantha was ruling. So there's still danger. Um, and Lucian, who is also here for this conversation, good, good to have him back, yep. is silently telling Feyre, like, don't, don't push him on this. So Feyre keeps trying to go. She grabs the reins of his horse and the chapter reads, my grip tightened on the leather as I tugged the horse to, to a stop and the golden ring on my finger, along with the square cut emerald glittering atop it, flashed in the sun. They're engaged. Yeah, so you'd think I'd be like, oh my God, they're engaged. I was more concerned. Mm-hmm. Tell me your concerns. Because we didn't see the proposal. And yeah. if it's, if it was, if it's going to be Tamlin and Feyre, I would think that Sarah would have written or at least taken us back to that day and explained the giant romantic proposal to like further the reader's buy-in on the couple and the fact that we didn't get the proposal i'm like fuck (laughs) she at least takes us back to the proposal it was a month after they were freed and Farah says it was the happiest day of her life and 
it was in a meadow he got he proposed and she yeah. cried and that's about as much detail it's like as we three got. sentences yeah. that she says and it's also like like in book one um it, she did a good job throughout the book of like flipping between the action and romance like we talked about yeah um and then we ended the book on like so much action and plot that I was like kind of thinking we were going to start this book about like however you know their their love affair like picking up in the middle of their happiness and it's just very much not that because Feyre is not happy I know yeah so there's all this the, there's such um dichotomy is that the right word between the life she's living right now and how she's feeling inside like she's been throwing she's been thrown into this wedding planning this season of love and everyone's showering her with gifts and celebrations and she's just dead inside yeah 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 and um wedding planning is not her thing um but she got a break from it because winter solstice solstice just happened which also happens to be her birthday but she didn't tell tamlin about it which is when alarm bells kind of went off for me i was like he doesn't know your birthday yeah i guess maybe it doesn't matter anymore but she's just like tired of wedding playing tired of celebrations tired of presents she just wants to do something useful be helpful which I respect, but Tamlin keeps refusing her because he says it's not safe. But it's so still, especially stupid. for her. It's so stupid because Tamlin, this is your fiance, the love of your life. You know her. You know she's not just gonna be a freaking housewife and plan a wedding. Like you know that's not her. I also was confused by this the first time because she's a high fay now. Like, she can take care of herself way more than she could have the entire last book. And he was taking her out and about then when there was more beasts roaming around and less protection. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Lucian says he, like, cares more about you now or something. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. But still, it's just, like, she's doesn't feel like there's a lot that could threaten her if she's you know now immortal and powerful and has you and your sentries around but you know that's not really the real the total real reason as we we learn in the later chapters yeah um speaking of the creatures that are still roaming apparently naga have just attacked lucian the day before which is why tamlin's saying you know it's not safe and Feyre is super persistent, but Tamlin says, please just do this for me. I'm sure there are things to help with around the house. Or you could paint. Mm-mm-mm. Do you think Tamlin's totally out of line here, or do you see where he's coming from? No, I see where he's coming from, but I'm also just like, no, you know your woman. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's also touched on that Tamlin slash 
the people who are advising him are worried about the message it will send if she's out doing like warrior duties because yeah, they they like think that it'll make it look like there's something to be afraid of still. Right. And why would strong? Why would the bride of the high lord need to train or be out doing stuff if peace has returned? So because of that and because he wants to keep her safe, she's she's just living this life right now that is so not her and is so not representative of where she's at mentally. She said she's been clothed in these bright dresses every day, very feminine. She doesn't like them. But again, she knows wearing like pants and tunics and arming herself like she wants to be could send a message. I so hate she's, that whole narrative. That shit pisses me off. So she's playing this soft housewife role, if only to bring the people peace. And sadly, Feyre can't paint anymore, like Tamlin suggests. Um, she says, all those paintings, all the supplies, all that blank canvas waiting for me to pour out stories and feelings and dreams. I hated it. So. So, so. It's depression. <laughs> yeah. She has been through too much. I think that's too vivid in her mind if she went down to paint. Those are the most vivid things that would come up. Yeah. So I get it. So Fair goes back to the house after Tamlin shuts her down and we meet a new character, which is always exciting. Yes. Her name is Ianthe. I a- immediately looked up fan art. Oh, really? Yeah. Did she's you? pretty. Yeah. She's, she's um, I mean, like everyone, a young. All the fan art are pretty, but. She's a young high priestess. Young as in like. I, I would think high priestess and like an old woman, but she's, you know, a young woman. Yeah. Childhood friend of Tamlin. And she's helping plan all the wedding festivities. And the way Feyre describes it, Ianthe's really doing everything that Feyre should be doing. Wait, so she her name is Ianthe? Yes. Ianthe. Okay. Yeah. Um, because Feyre's totally new to this life, Ianthe's helping facilitate the celebrations, picking out manor decorations, picking out Feyre's clothes, etc. So, Sadie, I'll ask you here because they go into just a lot of detail about her throughout the la- in the next few chapters. What stood out to you about Ianthe? Anything? So, um, so I think it's normally people who are religious and have, like, devoted themselves to the quote-unquote church mm-hmm. are celibate mm-hmm. which she's not she's very flirtatious yeah and um i have predi- i have like maybe a prediction maybe not but i don't know but do you want to get into it here or later later okay okay so Farah and ianthe are making the seating chart for the wedding and Ianthe says something about a guest being difficult and, and Feyre just mentions Nesta saying humans aren't much better. And Ianthe asks her if her mortal family will be joining her. And I was like, that's an option? Yeah. But Feyre's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want to bring them here. And she says to Ianthe, my sister Nesta detests your kind. And Ianthe corrects her, our kind. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. 
And then next we get some more helpful and interesting information. So Ianthi's referring in this conversation to Feyre as lady because Feyre says no one knows what to call her yet since she wasn't born high fey. Yeah, and she's not she's not married, not, she's not married to Tamlin and she is not Tamlin's mate as far as she knows. She says there's no mating bond between them yet. And Feyre says she's a little bit jealous of Ianthi. She says Ianthi with her bright gold hair, teal eyes, elegant features, looked more like Tamlin's mate slash his equal. And high priestesses are very respected and have strong power of their own. So it would be a strong union. Okay. So this is what I'm going to say. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Is the love triangle not Tamlin, Resand, Feyre, but it's actually Tamlin, Feyre, Ianthi? Ianthi. Ianthi. Like, maybe I got the love triangle all wrong. Maybe they both cheat on each other. Comments? I have nothing to give. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So now I'm like, maybe... Maybe it's a love square. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That sounds messy. No. uh, I don't know. No, all all I have to say here is that's a really sad thing to think about the person you're going to marry like imagine them with someone else and being like they'd be a better match that's just but that's just because she has she thinks she's the worst person in the world right but such a sad thought yeah you're right so ianthi asks her what color roses she wants for the wedding and she's like white pink yellow red and Feyre's like, not red. Not red. Red reminds her of Amaranthus' hair, reminds her of all the bloodshed, and of all the welts on Claire Better's broken body. Yeah. So she tells Ianthi to choose whatever she wants. And Ianthi's like, obviously noticing how passive Feyre's been throughout all of this. And she's like, come on, you know, give this some, some thought. Every detail of this wedding sends a message to not only Prithian, but the world beyond. So like, you know, from flowers, guestless, dress, etc. And the best comparison I can make here, which is relevant as the coronation was last weekend um, in real life <laughs> of King Charles, is that it's very much like a royal wedding. Yeah. I don't know how into the royal family you are, but I'm very interested by it. Yeah. I just, I just, I hate that whole mindset. Like, I just hate the everything sends a message. Like, does it? Like, maybe I'm just, like, not that into that kind of thing. But I'm just, like, yeah. everyone just wants to see a beautiful wedding. They're well, not, like, ooh, she got pink flowers. That means she's not a virgin. Or, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that was just the first thing I could think of. But, like, I just, like, every detail sends a message. Like, we have to be perfect so so people feel like, I'm what about me? What's going to make me happy? So that's why I was comparing it to a royal wedding. Um because while, you know, those weddings are still about the love and the union between those two people, it's also very much a duty for them to marry. Yeah. And signifies something bigger than just those two people. It signifies like the continuation of the monarchy and like it's not totally about them. 
and every detail really is scrutinized like what lace what kind of lace is the dress like who was sitting where they need to invite certain people like yeah. for political relationships you know uphold certain traditions and they but don't you have know, a lot of you know what room. sends a good message what a happy bride <laughs> yeah that's very true and that's the one thing they don't have <laughs> yeah no that's very true and even worse, apparently the dress they're making her wear is awful and super puffy and frilly and just not her. But when Feyre protested, Tamlin was like, well, Ianthe knows what she's doing. She has the eye for this kind of thing. And I wrote, gross. Men should not be allowed to side with another woman. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Ever. The audacity. <laughs> Literally the audacity. Yeah. So Ianthe tells Feyre that both herself and Feyre are very alike in that they're both young and people will be scrutinizing the two of them because Ianthe's like the youngest high priestess. This is her first time being involved in something bigger, it seems like. So she has pressure on her too. And she says between her, Feyre, and Tamlin, they make a formidable unit. And she leaves out Lucian because apparently Ianthe wants to get with Lucian, but he doesn't seem to like her. Well, she says, or maybe four, if you include Lucian, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's when I had the moment of, oh, maybe love triangle between those three. But then she said Lucian, and then I was like, oh my God, are the two besties going to hook up? A love interest for Lucian. I know. I like it. Um, but I want Lucian in more. I guess maybe Ianthe will continue to be like a bigger character. But like I want more for Lucian. I want him involved in like main focus stuff, you know, which is hard because it's from the perspective of Feyre. But like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not like, I mean, Ianthe's cool, but like, she's not a very good friend to Feyre because she doesn't, she's planning her whole wedding and not caring about her needs. So I'm not like, like, yeah. Although Feyre's not really telling her her needs either. You know, Feyre's just like, do whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. But like, yeah, she's not reading her very well. Like what? Why don't you care? Also, Tamlin, back to this, he's really just letting me down. He... He used to read her so well. And like, so I know he is reading her. But. He's just like turning a blind eye. Yeah, he just doesn't want to acknowledge the pain. It feels like. It's tough. But it also seems like back to Ianthe and Lucian. Sorry, maybe yeah. that's not happening because Ianthe is trying to. Get Feyre to tell her what's up with that. Why why Lucian's not interested. Feyre's like, oh, well, you know, it's hard for him because with you, it could be real and he's afraid. And that is the it's oldest like, lie in the book. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really because he I, he has tra his own trauma. He watched the last person he loved get chopped up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was aggressive. <laughs> That was very... That was an unhinged... Yes. <laughs> Chopped up. Sorry. Um, and then Feyre catches Ianthe looking at her tattooed hand. 
And Ianthe's like, hey, maybe we get you gloves for the wedding. <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> so that combo's over. Later, Feyre's in bed when Tamlin comes in and is surprised she's awake. But she tells him that she couldn't sleep. And then Feyre tells us that he sleeps in her room every night despite keeping his own room. So they still have separate rooms, but they, they share beds. So Tamlin comes out of the bathroom, partly undressed. Fair looks at him, and they are in a mood. <laughs> and I'll just say, this is the beginning of where these books start to live up to their spicy reputation. We get more in this probably one interaction than we got all of last book. Yeah, that's true. It was like multiple pages of description but there's also dialogue in there yeah so and what i will say is Feyre and tammy clearly still have high sexual chemistry and honestly i needed this moment just to like make sure they were good because i was like and she kind of says this later um she was like when she's talking to lucian she's like i don't want to marry a high lord i want to marry him Mm -hmm. and that was validating for me because i was getting concerned Right. I had a similar reaction. There's some very detailed descriptions over the next few pages. But this is the Tamlin and Feyre that we remember before everything with Amarantha happening. They're yeah. very hot and heavy. They're all over each other. Animalistic. Yeah. They're and they're engaged. This is how it should be. Yeah. Um high chemistry, it kind of puts you back into that, oh yeah, okay. They've They've got something going on Mm -hmm. that we remember from book one. And then once they're done, he apologizes for not letting her come earlier. And we're not letting her go to the villages. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was implying. (laughs) I just wanted to make that clear. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but that reminds us, thank you, Sadie, of all the problems that they're having. And he tells her, you know, soon you'll be my wife and it will all be fine. We'll leave this all behind us. But like, what does that mean? I don't either. I don't know either. What I is her like, being his wife? What does that change? Yeah. Which speaking of, Feyre asks him what they'll call her when they get married. Like what title sh- will she get? For example, high lady. But Tamlin's like, no, there's no such thing as a high lady. Sexist AF. So apparently, yeah, Prithian is uh, way outdated. No such thing as a high lady. So Feyre starts asking him about Lucian's mom, like what her role is. Tamlin kind of starts kissing her again. He's like, you know, she's... He's like in between her legs as they're having this conversation. Yes. He tells Feyre that, you know, like Lucian's mom, Feyre will be the lady of the spring court and people will will respect her and address her as such. Feyre keeps asking about Lucian's mom, but Tamlin, given his current position, he says, I don't want to hear another male's name on your lips right now. And Feyre stops arguing. And that is the end of chapter two. Oh, man, that's one way to derail a conversation. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, 
Okay, so this is kind of like a random prediction, but it was in the back of my head while I was reading the first two chapters. Once I found out they're getting married and she hasn't been called to the night court yet. Mm -hmm. So my prediction was that Rhysan is going to show up to the wedding and claim his week. That this is the week because in their deal, he says the week of one week a month, the week of his choosing. And he's going to make her to come to the night court instead of her honeymoon. But. So I was basically spot on. But I mean, I don't know what he's going to do when he shows up, but one can guess. Um, Although. It's not really the honeymoon. We'll get there. Yeah. I'm. It's hard for me to give my prediction once I like semi. Right. I'm kind of mad that you guessed what's going to happen because I was picturing you reading that last chapter and being like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say you did tell me I was going to hate you at the end. So I knew something was going to happen, but yeah. I didn't think it was going to. I didn't even think these chapters were going to end with the wedding. Yeah. It kind so of I, I made this prediction after chapter two that I was like, I bet you the time when Resan shows up is going to be the wedding. Yeah, because it's just on brand. You know, I think I think like a member of the night court. That's my court. Remember, right? That's exactly what Sadie would do in this <laughs> crash a wedding. <laughs> of course, kidding. in my speak now era. Yeah. Okay, so chapter two ends overall. You know, we get a moment of chemistry. There's still a lot of love there. Beginning part had us worried, but now it's kind of remembering. And reminding us who Feyre and Tamlin are and why yeah. why they worked. And then chapter three opens up with Feyre getting to leave the house. Yay! Yay! She says Tamlin must have felt guilty because the next day Lucian was ready to take her to a nearby village. But Feyre's kind of mad at Lucian because he lied to her about getting attacked by the Naga. Which he said he had just been injured from falling off his horse. And when Feyre asks why he lied, he just looks at her with pity. Like, he knows how fragile she is. Yeah. And from Lucian, like, whenever he's pitying you, like, that would be worrying, you know, given his temperament. Yeah. Feyre feels the same way. She tells him she doesn't need his pity and she's not made of glass and that she deserves to know. But Lucian says, you know, Tamlin told me not to tell you. And if Tamlin gives an order, I have to follow it. Feyre's like, you didn't used to be that way. Like, you sent me off to see the Surreal way back when. But Lucian tells her, now we need order, Feyre. We need rules and rankings and order. And if we're going to stand a chance... Oh, if we're going to stand a chance at rebuilding. So what he says goes. He's giving you as much free reign as he can. And then he tells her that she has no idea how hard it is for Tamlin to even let her off the estate grounds because of all the pressure he's under. And Feyre says, well, I didn't realize I'd become a prisoner. <laughs> and she asks, does he honestly expect me to spend the rest of my life in that manner, overseeing servants and wearing pretty clothes? Which is a super valid question. And honestly, I don't know why she's not saying that to Tamlin. Like they're communicating right now through Lucian and yeah, using him as a I buffer. Know. They need to freaking talk. Lucian's like, look, that's the life that everyone dreams of having. Like, doesn't every woman dream of marrying a high lord? And also, 
because he is a high lord, there's certain expectations and traditions that Feyre is expected to uphold, such as the tithe, which they briefly talk about, and we'll see later. So I won't get into it now, but sounds intense. Yeah, like, well, they basically say, wait, this isn't where we learn what the tithe is. We learn what it is, but we'll, like, see it later. Oh, uh, yeah. okay, yeah. So it's, like, basically twice a year they have to pay a tithe. Which yeah, if you the people of the land have to come pay a tithe. Like, and if they can't pay it, things get ugly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, like, like in Catholicism, like, you do that where you give money to the Catholic Church. That's called tithing, right? I don't know when I'm Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a thing. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but... Um, so I kind of knew what it was, but it sounds a little bit more brutal. So, right. Um, we don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I just mean the term. Um, yeah, I looked it up. Tithe. One tenth of annual produce or earnings formerly taken as tax for support of the church or clergy. So it's probably like an ancient thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this is when Feyre says... You know, I don't want to marry a high lord. I want to marry him, which is a good line. I love that line. But then Lucian says, well, one doesn't exist without the other. Also fair point. Also. And they keep fighting. And then Lucian tells her something very sad. He says, I was forced to watch as my father butchered the female I loved. Or in Sadie's terms, chopped her up. <laughs> laugh at that he says my brothers forced me to watch there was no magic spell no miracle to bring her back there was no gathered high lords to resurrect her i watched and she died and i will never forget the moment when i heard her heart stop beating and then lucian says tamlin got what i didn't we all heard your neck break but you got to come back and i doubt that he will ever forget that sound either and he will do everything in his power to protect you from that danger again, even if it means keeping secrets and sticking to rules you don't like. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, okay, like I was very annoyed with Tamlin the whole thing, but it, the whole first few chapters. But then I was like, he went through trauma too. He yeah. lived with Amarantha as her bitch. He had to be so strong, like not react to anything and then yeah he literally watched the love of his life die brutally and yeah she came back to life and so now he's like they just all need to go to therapy yeah this does help me understand where tamlin is coming from a little bit more so yeah. thank you lucian yeah and this helps favor too she's like wow okay didn't think about it like that of course, I need to give him some time to adjust back to normal. Like, that's the least I can do. Yeah. So, Feyre and Lucian get to the village, and it's the first time we're seeing how a majority of Fey are living. Like, we've only up until this point been in Tamlin's Manor and then under the mountain. And now we're getting into a lens into getting a lens into the average Joe Fey <laughs> and how they live. And Feyre's like, oh, it's just a similar village like how I grew up, basically, in human yeah. lands. There's like a bar. There's like little cottages. A little like nicer, but yeah. Nicer and cleaner, but not as depressing. But, you know, standard village. Yeah. 
Um, and Feyre and Lucian ride into the heart of the rebuilding efforts. And when people see her, they stop everything. And as she's passing by, someone says to her, Feyre Cursebreaker. <laughs> and that's a badass name. I know. That's what her t- new title should just be. Feyre Cursebreaker. <laughs> it's sick. <laughs> it's like her superhero name. Yeah. Yeah, it's she doesn't seem to really appreciate it. I'm like, she said that one's new. (laughs) Yeah, that's new. It's awesome, though. Lucian tells people that they came to help. But the people in the town are like, no, thank you. But no help is needed. The debt is paid. And even when they say again, please, we want to help. They go to different people. Please, we want to help. No one will let them because of how much Farah sacrificed. They keep being like, no, no, no. Debt's paid. So 20 minutes later. They just have to go home. And Feyre is so defeated because she's been wanting to go out for so long. She finally got to, and then no one would let her do anything. So on the ride home, she asks Lucian, you know, where were all these people during Amarantha's reign? And he tells her that Amarantha had camps under the mountain for the normal people. Um, So they were locked away for 50 years in like these small tunnels with no light so right now That's they're just crazy. So right now they're just healing and trying to remember how to be normal and how to live. And That's this crazy. horrifies Feyre. And Lucian tells her that he's sorry because she knows he knows that she wanted to help. And the chapter ends with Feyre thinking, so was I. The vastness of my now and my now unending existence yawned open before me. I let it swallow me whole. She's not okay. She is not okay. The drama of these quotes that I'm I know. reading. Like, she's not okay. So that's the end of chapter three. Every time, though, I'm like, Jesus, Farah, like, move on. <laughs> I then remember what, what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, she did stat look into the eyes of someone as she stabbed them. Yeah. Twice. Mm-hmm. Among, you know, the other horrors. Yeah. As well. So she's not well, but um we start off chapter four hoping that uh you know there's gonna be a great wedding. Yeah. And we see what <laughs> happens. So chapter four is the wedding. It's a few days before the wedding, and people are now arriving to the spring court. And all of the festivity makes Feyre think, I was grateful that I'd never be a high lady, never be Tamlin's equal in responsibility and power. But a small forgotten part of me roared and screamed at that because she's not about the dinners, the luncheons, the picnics, her hunts. Yeah. Not her thing. No. Not her thing. But also there's a small part of her that's like kind of screaming because... She's not the person just off to the side doing nothing either. Yeah, exactly. She wants to be involved. She doesn't want to just be a housewife. Right. And she's being forced to smile and welcome people. And it's just really not conducive to who she is, especially right now. Right. And Tamla knows she's hating it, but he's really good at it. Yeah. Like He's really good at this and this role and is reminding her like the parties, these are important so that... 
I can introduce you to the court. You know, I don't like it either. But Ferris, like, it's different for him. Like, he thrives in this role, in this well, environment. Well, he's just more used to it. Yeah. And she's sinking. Yeah. And as we see later, she's really not a people person. So <laughs> to be fair, parties where everyone knows each other and then you're the only person, like the only new person sucks. So also it's like she's not a fairy. Yeah. Like that. that's the thing is all these people like she. One imposter syndrome to she's a baby compared to all of them yeah and yeah the amount of years of just being alive she even though she's in a fey body she's not a fey and so she's just like i don't fit in here no matter what Mm -hmm. like so despite how like unwell she is and and her and tamlin aren't necessarily communicating the best and despite all those things like She's going through a very transformative life experience. Mm -hmm. Like, I would be miserable, too, at those parties. Yeah. And so she pretty much just clings to the the few people she feels comfortable with. At this party that they're at right now, she's clinging to Ianthe. Um, It's the night before the wedding, and she's not having a great time. She's hanging out with Ianthe. Two male fae come up to them. They bow to Ianthe, and she introduces them to Feyre as Bronn and Hart. And Feyre is introduced to them as the savior of Prithian, to which they're like, oh, I know, we were under the mountain with you. And they're also like, congratulations on the wedding, such a fitting end for you two. And Feyre, in response, thinks a fitting end would have been me burning in hell. (laughs) Okay. Oh, she's so dramatic. She's so dramatic. (laughs) She's like so not okay. And Bronn is then like, I have to say that trial where you killed the Middengard worm, brilliant. One of the more brilliant things I've seen. Literally acting like she threw a 80 yard touchdown pass. (laughs) Right. I wrote, I wrote, um. Yeah, you know, well, like, Favor was such a beast in that trial, but l- acknowledged it was so supremely traumatizing. And this makes her flash back to being in that disgusting mud, fearing for her life, being chased by a worm. Like, she has PTSD. Yeah. And it, he's making it sound like a tennis match or something. Yeah. Seriously. Like, she wasn't one move away from violently dying. Yeah. And. She says it later, but she's like, because they call her a savior. She's like, I guess I'm the savior and jester. Like, he, there, she's just providing the entertainment almost. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many, there's so many areas there where you learn that, like, everything's just, like, slightly more violent in Prithian. And so it's just so much more natural to them. Or they're just so much more, like, accustomed to it. Like, when they were talking about the seating char and they're like, if we put the wrong two against each other, they will like literally fight to the death, like and stuff like that. And she's just like, Jesus. And then mm-hmm. um same with um um shoot. Oh, with the tithe, like mm-hmm. that there's like super violent consequences. Like yeah. you get hunted if you aren't paying. And it's just like 
she like and Feyre still has a human heart I know and it's like that she's fighting for her life in this arena and you know just like wow good good swing back there you know like yeah they're just super violent and Prathian and it, it's so normal to everyone and and Feyre's like this isn't normal <laughs> yeah yeah and she's thinking all that but she just says you know thanks um Luckily, Ianthi is much better at dealing with people. So she's fair is not really speaking, but Ianthi's, you know, filling the conversation. Braun then says he'd love to hunt with Feyre someday so he can see her talents firsthand. And Feyre is thinking, one, no way Tamlin lets me out to hunt. Two, she has no interest in ever using a bow and arrow again. But she says, honor would be mine. And then... <laughs> Luckily, I am. I wish she said again. something a little bit more smart assy there, but it's fine. Yeah. But then Bronn looks back to Feyre and asks, have you heard from the High Lord at all? This man. Tough. Sensitive I, topic. I do love the her line, though. Yeah. Obviously, he's talking about Reese. The audacity to bring it up is just absurd. He, he jinxed it. True. <laughs> you know, Ferris says no. And then Bronn says he's probably running scared now that Tamlin has his powers back. And Ferris says, then you don't know Resand very well at all. <laughs> Which makes everyone go silent because one, clearly it's sensitive to her. Two, it's implying that she does know Resand. Which very they well. all know she does after she was forced to drunkenly dance in his lap night after night for three months. Yeah, and it's just weird that she does have this relationship Bond, with him. Yeah. Because everyone else and her fiance, it's his sworn enemy. Yeah. It's just so it's awkward. This spring court enemy, and she has like this tie and relationship yeah. to him. They're like, oh, well, you know, we'll take care of him. Ianthi's like, we won't let our savior be treated so ill, blah, blah, blah. But then Feyre can't take this anymore, so she says she's tired and needs to go to bed. And as she's walking to bed, she looks back to where Tamlin and Lucian are standing and sees them surrounded by a circle of their friends. And she's like, oh, yeah, I recognize those people. He had introduced me to all of them a few days ago completely forgotten all their names and I haven't even tried to learn them again and then she sees Tamlin tip his head back and laugh heartily as she's kind of you know, looking from the staircase she's at and I don't know about you but of all the things this scene kind of hits me the hardest because I don't know why but just the fact that I think this just paints the picture of them being in two totally different places she's so isolated and mm -hmm. so out of her element and so depressed and here he is surrounded by all his friends by lucian he's so comfortable with these people he's probably known them for hundreds of years he's having like a merry time he's laughing yeah. she's just watching from the side and that's supposed to be her person and yeah I just in that moment I could like feel how she was feeling how isolated totally. she was feeling totally. and that's just I just can't think of a sadder feeling yeah I mean I feel like it's relatable to when you're like upset about something and your partner doesn't know about it yet and they're like having a great old time and you're like dagger eyes at them yeah similar but much deeper here yeah it's just it's really sad the night before her wedding too and it's She's just feeling so alone. 
Yeah. And she acknowledges this too. It's so sad. She says, alone in my bedroom, I realized I couldn't remember the last time I truly laughed. And so I went back and I looked in the book. And the last time would have been spring solstice. Oh, when she was, obviously. Yeah, yeah, when she was drunk and dancing changed. in the first book, which was about six months ago from where we are now. That's crazy. You don't think she laughed the night they were engaged? I don't think she laughed. I mean, we don't know, but damn. I don't think so. I don't think. I think she's, she said she cried. <laughs> um, but I just can't imagine. So Feyre has nightmares about her second task this night and wakes up thrashing around. And as she's lying there, she's thinking, in a few hours, I'd be married. I'd have my happy ending whether I deserved it or not. But this land, these people, they would have their happy ending too towards peace. And then things would be fine. Then I'd be fine. Marriage is not a Band-Aid. I know. A classic, a classic uh, flaw in the, in the, I was about to say human mind, but I guess Faye mind. Yeah. Like, just get to the wedding and all will be resolved. Yeah. Like, nope. No. No, 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 no. The chapter breaks and the next line is, I really, truly hated my wedding gown. (laughs) And she describes it as a monstrosity of tulle and chiffon and gossamer with a fitted bodice and a sparkling tent of a skirt and puffy sleeves. Yuck. When I think of Feyre, I do not think of sparkles. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I imagined if, like, I was going to picture her wedding dress, I would think, like, satin kind of like a haltered tie mm. with like the cowl cowl or whatever you call it neckline where it kind of like droops mm-hmm. just very like simple satin low back like droops down sexy in the back. yeah yeah with this dress i'm thinking to bring you know my royal wedding analogy full circle i'm thinking like the princess diana gown with the huge sleeves oh like what this dress looks like yeah 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 and i guess it's it's them being on theme with trying to send a message of her being this like feminine non-threatening wife versus what people you know saw her as is under the i mean they saw her they all know she's a badass she broke the curse so like why can't she continue with the badass image? Like, that part, like, it's, like, honestly, I was, like, kind of annoyed the first few chapters, like, with this whole persona that they're trying to, they're trying to show. Like, I'm, like, everyone knows what she just fucking did. It just annoys me. Yeah. They're trying to rebrand. I know. (laughs) It's giving, like, um, in the third book of hunger games when katniss they just want to use her as a symbol they yeah. can't risk her dying because yeah i mean they're at least making trying to make it look like she's leading a fight yeah but um that's what it's kind of like mm-hmm. no that's a good analogy um so alice is dressing her in this hideous dress telling her to stop being nervous look excited etc and then she sends Feyre out the doors and into the garden full of people and she says 300 people stand and look at her, which brings her back to being watched after the trials. 
and she's getting dizzy but all the trauma is flashing before her eyes yeah but then she sees tamlin at the end of the aisle and he looks amazing she says he's loosened the grip on his glamour has let the immortal light and beauty shine through and again she's like okay this is why i'm doing this this is my purpose she starts walking looks down at the white roses and she sees they're mixed with red ones which quite literally must have been her only thing request yeah her only thing she said no red because to her it looks like drops of blood i was wondering if maybe she was just seeing it i was like no way they put red I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, red rose petals sprinkled across, like, the walkway. I'm yeah. like, that, she's like, those are drops of, yeah, blood. Yeah, and that makes her look back up at Tamlin. So, first, it starts making her walk faster because she's panicking. She's looking at Tamlin, and she's thinking, so unaware of the true extent of how broken and dark I was inside. How unfit I was to be clothed in white when my hands were so filthy. So she's looking at this red. She's walking fast to the altar. She's thinking about how she's a murderer, how she's not fit to be here. And then she stops walking 10 feet from the altar because she's panicking. Tamlin reaches out his hand. He looks confused. Feyre is still paused. She's starting to feel like she's going to puke. She starts having a full-on panic attack internally. She thinks... Between my skin and bones, something thrummed and pounded, rising and pushing, lashing through my blood. So many eyes, too many eyes pressed on me, witnesses to every crime I'd committed, every humiliation. Which is true. These probably are a lot of the same people who were under the mountain and saw her at her lowest of lows. Now they're seeing her dressed up like this creepy princess. Yeah. That's not her, you know, being like put on show. So, like, she's so ashamed of all those things that she's done. And when she's just on display in front of all of them again, she's like, I can't hide the things I've done. They've all seen them. They've all seen it. Yeah. So she's she's stopped in the aisle. Tamlin steps forward and says, Feyre continues to reach for her. Little accent there. Feyre. I didn't try to have an accent. I didn't try to have an accent. He says and says, Feyre, Feyre. <laughs> um, my mistake. <laughs> he continues to reach for her. And she thinks, well, I can't turn away, but I'm about to bind myself to him forever. And I'm never going to heal. And she just can't take those last few steps. I, I just am frustrated with her. Because if you just freaking talk to him like you she does love him like she went through all of that and now she's like i'm too broken for you right they just they need to talk like i but like why why is it now why is it now that you're deciding that right just because i i'm sure like no, knowing the Tamlin from the first book, it's like, well, if they were opened up to him, he, she, it's not like she's even tried. It's not like he's. They're not trying with each other. They're both going through it and they're not trying and they're not supporting each other. 
they're just sweeping it under the rug and then like and and then at the same time pharaoh's like he's just so oblivious he's so unaware how broken i am and i'm just i am just a proponent of your partner can't read your mind they can't you think they can because they're your person they can't you gotta freaking talk and i'm just like why did you wait until this moment yeah she just likes the drama i know but no she thinks i was gonna fall apart right there right then and they'd see precisely how ruined i was and then she thinks help me, help me, help me. She's looking to Lucian, looking to Ianthe, begging them silently for someone to save her. Tamlin takes a step towards her. How awkward. And Feyre takes a step back. She's crazy. Holy shit. She's crazy. He hasn't done anything to you. You're just embarrassing him now. This is really embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself more. People start murmuring and Ianthe then says, come bride and be joined with your true love. Come bride and let good triumph at last. And Feyre's thinking, I was not good. I was nothing and my eternal soul was damned. She tries to speak, to say no verbally. But before she can say anything, thunder cracks behind her and people scream. Darkness erupts, and then Feyre turns around and sees Reese, straightening the lapels of his black jacket, oh, and he goodness. says, "Hello, Feyre, darling." And that's where we end this episode. What a good last quote! It's so good. I have no notes. Like <laughs> that's perfect. So good. Called it. You did call it. Um. And I think this is a great plot development. Totally. She I mean, it. she's, you know, her and Tamlin clearly need some separation. Now she's going to the night court. They don't need separation. <laughs> they need conversation. She needs to some perspective is what she needs. Like she needs to like think about and have someone like push her. Yeah. To actually open up. Yeah. But that should be your husband, your fiance. It should be. It should be. But I'm intrigued to see where this development leads the plot. I mean, me too. I <laughs> I love I love Resand. I'm with I'm I'm with him. I just It's just she the relationship is in such a vulnerable place. It's in such a vulnerable place. Yeah. And it's just not the time. But at least she didn't verbally have to say anything like she was about to. His interruption kind of mitigates what she was about to do. She did what she she, she did. She said it without words. Right. But Resan's arrival overshadows that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe next time, well, knowing them, next time they're together, they'll just ignore what happened at the wedding and be like, we're, we're planning a new day. <laughs> nice accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, knowing them, that is what will happen. Well, next episode, we will be discussing chapters five through seven. 
All right. I'm ready. I'm which excited. Is a, which is a good chunk of pages still. So it's three chapters, but they're quite long. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. Me too. Can't wait. Here we go. It kicks off much quicker this time. Yes and no. Oh, okay. Because now we have to do a little bit more setup about the night court, I presume. Right. Yeah. And look at how long this book is. it is pretty long i feel like i'm like immune to long books now like i'm like it's not that bad because i because of harry potter right but compared to the first one yeah you're right it's like double it's double right it's definitely double it's 680 pages it really doesn't look that like wait don't open it don't open it i'm not reading anything it feels risky my mom said, so I was talking to my mom today. She is reading along and she just started the second book. Well, she's about to start the second book, but she read this second book excerpt that was in the back of the first one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I assumed that was just like the first couple pages of this book. And she was like, no, it was like a random excerpt. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, I can't remember what she even said about it because she didn't like give anything away, but she definitely was like, I can tell like it's good from the excerpt. Interesting. Yeah. There's excerpts in all of the books that give you a preview into the what's coming next. Yeah. But I just always assume it's the first couple pages of the next book. Like when I see that, I yeah. don't think it's like a random one. Yeah. I just assume it's like the next chronological pages in the series, but it wasn't. She said it was random. I actually haven't read that one because I read the first book on my Kindle uh, and I didn't go that far. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting. Well, shout out Julie, <laughs> our biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that brings us to the end of season two, episode one. Woohoo! We're going to have. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again i should have done that in the beginning <laughs> we can cut that and then move it to okay, <laughs> um we're gonna have 19 episodes for holy this book, shit unless i changed my mind i could you have had don't more get to just do that i do though okay. <laughs> <laughs> i think 19 is i think 19 feels right okay it was just hard when i was splitting it up because i was like this chapter i could literally talk about for an hour on its own wow yeah but i felt like that would be a lot so i still (laughs) consolidated i had some self-control and i've decided on 19 chapters or 19 episodes wow yeah we're only gonna read a select 19 (laughs) chapters (laughs) only the ones only the ones that i like yeah (laughs) yeah um so thanks everyone for listening to season two and if you're new to the podcast welcome welcome we're happy to have you yeah we have fun here yeah and don't forget (laughs) to subscribe on spotify or apple podcasts leave us a five-star rating leave us a comment i love seeing comments they are fun and also follow us on Instagram at Gals on Topic for all our good content that we post on there, that Sadie posts on there as our social media manager. <laughs> Don't hype me up too much. I got to get better. No, yeah. no. You're killing it. Thanks. And we'll see everyone next episode for chapters five through seven of A Court of Mist and Fury. 
Ooh, we got to get used to saying Mist and Fury. Yeah. Akamath just doesn't have the same <laughs> ring. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we'll see you guys then. Bye, guys. Bye.